When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward no nonsense financial advice bring me your money questions because i'm here to help and now here he is the financial physician america's money doctor lou scatigna hello my friends how are you welcome to today's edition of the financial physician radio program where we talk money markets and politics and we're going to start off talking about the federal reserve um just moments ago I guess about two hours ago, the Federal Reserve announced that they are going to taper quantitative easing from $85 billion a month to $75 billion a month. Now, everybody was anticipating this. Nobody knew whether or not they were going to say it or not. They thought they may have said it in September. And if you recall, when they first started talking about this, markets were tanking. The bond market went down. Interest rates almost doubled. The stock market had all kinds of volatility. And today the Fed comes out and says the following. It says that, well, it says that this is their quote. In light of the cumulative progress toward maximum employment and the improvement in the outlook for labor market conditions, the committee decided to modestly reduce the pace of its asset purchases. Uh, the Fed's purchases will be divided between $40 billion in treasuries and $35 billion in mortgage-backed uh, securities uh, starting in January. Quote, if incoming information broadly supports the community's expectation of ongoing improvement in the labor market conditions and inflation, moving back toward its long-run objective, the committee will likely reduce the pace of asset purchases in further measured steps. The com- committee repeated that purchases are not on a pre-set course. Okay, so Fed comes out and said, okay, we're not going to print $85 billion a month anymore. We're only going to print $75 billion a month. Still very stimulative. But how did the markets react? Well, how would you think they would react? What would you think would have happened if the Fed came out and said uh, that they're taking the punch bowl away? Even if it's a small amount. Would you expect stocks to go down? Would you expect bonds to go down and interest rates to go up? Well, that's what I was expecting to happen. Well, what did happen? Stock market closed up 300 points. The bond market was little changed. How could that be? I thought that if they announced tapering, the markets would crack, and just the opposite happened. Now, some are saying the reason why the opposite happened is because the Fed's saying how nice the employment situation is. 
Well, that's a joke. The employment situation has not improved at all. It hasn't proved, improved for years. The only reason, only reason why the unemployment rate has gone down is because less people are looking for jobs. If we figured out the unemployment rate based on the, the average employment history of this country, the percent of people working, we'd be at 11.5%. The average worker is bringing home less money over the last five years. So it's all hogwash, what they're saying. And the markets reacted very positively as if um, the economy is, is totally healed. We're out of recession. Now, the Fed didn't say they were going to raise interest rates. They're still keeping it at zero, and they're going to keep it there for a long time. They're targeting 6.5% unemployment, but they're going to say they're going to keep it at zero way past that. Well, you would think that if that was uh, such a, an improvement in the economy and the labor market, that the Fed would start raising interest rates. At least somewhat off of zero. I mean, zero is emergency interest rates. But the market's up 300 points as if this is the greatest thing in the world. Boy, I tell you, I can't follow the markets anymore. It makes no sense to me. Now, initially, the gold market went up. It was up about $10, $12 an ounce. And, of course, um, the powers that be will have none of that. So they immediately reversed it. Had it up about, I don't know, $3. And then Ben Bernanke came out. And did his uh, press conference, which was really dovish, meaning that he was talking as if, you know, he wants to keep interest rates low and they're going to take it very slow as far as this tapering goes, which would make gold go up higher, really. Gold tanked at the end of the day, down like $14 at the end of the day. So markets make no sense. And there's so many hands in these markets now that you can't even trust the market to be real. Was the Fed in there buying with both fists in both the, the, the bond market? And the stock market to make it look like this is not really a big deal. I don't know, but I'm telling you, it's uh, it, it blows your mind. It absolutely blows your mind. Now, who is this entity, the Federal Reserve, that has all this power? I mean, who are these people? Does anybody know who they are? Who owns them? Who controls them? I mean, it's a hundred-year anniversary. This month's the hundredth-year anniversary of the Federal Reserve. Which is really unconstitutional. Well, who actually owns these central banks? Not only the Federal Reserve, but 12 of the biggest central banks in the world. The Rothschilds Bank of London. The Warburg Bank of Hamburg, Germany. The Rothschild Bank of Berlin. Lehman Brothers of New York. Lazard Brothers of Paris. Kuhn Loeb Bank of New York. Israel Moses Seif Banks of Italy, Goldman Sachs of New York, the Warburg Bank of Amsterdam, and the Chase Manhattan Bank of New York. And I'm sure there's other banks that have maybe a little piece of it. So our central bank is owned by international banking interests who make decisions on our economy. Now, Barack Obama is not the most important person in the world. The chairman of the Federal Reserve is. You don't see markets uh, gyrating wildly when Obama speaks. But you do see it gyrate wildly when the chairman of the Federal Reserve speaks. Because he is truly more powerful. 
And the central bank has the ability to control the economy, to control the business cycle. And in that, they have power that they should never have. According to uh, Article 1, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution, the U.S. Congress is the one that is supposed to have the authority to, quote, coin money, regulate the value thereof, and of foreign coin, and fix the standards of weights and measures. So, so, so why is the Federal Reserve doing this? Because the big banks of the world have been stealing our money for 100 years. And that's what it really comes down to. And the average American's too stupid to even know what it means. And the Fed is at the very heart of our economic problems. We wouldn't be having these problems right now if it wasn't for the Fed blowing bubbles. And, and this is a system of money that, that, that's created by the bankers, and, and it operates to benefit the bankers. That's what it's all about. These are unelected people. They're unaccountable. And um, they're private, and they run our money, they run our system, and they manage our economy. And if the American people truly understood uh, how it really works, they'd all be screaming to abolish the Federal Reserve. They really would. Here's some facts about the Federal Reserve. I got this from etfdailynews.com. The greatest period of economic growth in the United States history was when there was no central bank. So why do we need one? The United States had never had a persistent ongoing problem with inflation until the Federal Reserve was created. In the century before the Federal Reserve was created, the average annual rate of inflation was about a half a percent. In the century since the Federal Reserve was created, the average annual inflation rate has been about three and a half percent. But it would be uh, much higher if uh, those numbers weren't be grossly manipulated by government. But even using the official numbers, the value of the U.S. dollar has declined by more than 95% since the Federal Reserve was created 100 years ago this month. 95% of the value of our currency is gone. And it's directly their fault. And it was no accident uh, that the permanent income tax was also introduced in the same year that the Federal Reserve was created. And the whole idea was to transfer wealth from our pockets to people, to the federal government, and then from the federal government to the bankers. And it's worked uh, flawlessly. And there have been 10 different economic recessions since 1950. 10. The Federal Reserve created all of them. Remember the dot-com bubble? The Federal Reserve created the housing bubble. And now they've created the largest bond bubble in history. That's going to, when it finally does break, is going to be beyond painful to all of us. And according to an official government report, the Federal Reserve made $16.1 trillion in secret loans to the big banks during the last financial crisis. And not just our banks, banks all around the world, which, why are we responsible for bankers in Germany. Why? Well, I just told you who owns the Federal Reserve. How about Warburg Bank of Hamburg and the Rothschilds Bank of Berlin? What banks got these big loans? Citigroup got $2.5 trillion in loans from the Federal Reserve. Morgan Stanley, over $2 trillion. Merrill Lynch, $1.95 trillion. 
Bank of America, $1.3 trillion. Now we go to Barclays. That's an English bank. Why do we lend them $868 billion? Goldman Sachs, $814 billion. How about this? Royal Bank of Scotland, $541 billion. What's that have to do with the United States of America? Why are we printing money and lending it to foreign banks? UBS, you know what that stands for? United Bank of Switzerland, $287 billion. Credit Suisse, $262 billion. And there's a whole list of other banks. It goes on and on. What gives them the right to bail out other countries and other countries' banking system? Well, it's all one big club. Don't you understand? And when the Federal Reserve is owned by foreign bankers, what do you think they're going to do in crisis? And to, to top it off, the Federal Reserve also paid those big banks $659 million in fees to help administer those secret loans. There's a word that they're called banksters because it's legal theft of our money. All right, it's time to take a break. More on the Federal Reserve on the other side of the break. This will make your, your, your hair stand up. It will make your blood boil. 866-472-5790 is the phone number. You're listening to The Financial Position right here on Voice America's business channel. Don't go away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Financial Physician. And America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you. Call with your questions now at 1-866-472-5790. That's toll free. 1-866-472-5790. Once again, here's Lou. All right, welcome back to The Financial Physician radio to- radio show where we talk about uh, money, we talk about politics, we talk about markets. And today we're talking about the Federal Reserve, who they are. And the reason we're talking about them today is because today they announced uh, that they're going to taper their quantitative easing program from eighty-five thousand million a month to seventy-five thousand million a month. And uh, in contradictory fashion, uh, the stock market went up three hundred points. Bond market was a little changed, 
and you know people looking at each other like why would the stock market go up when the fed's cutting stimulus maybe because it's out of the way you know it was something everybody was fearing about and they made no uh, and they, they they showed no inclination uh to taper anymore so i think they just gave the market something all right we're going to taper a little bit here but you know what's going to happen ultimately they're going to have to expand quantitative easing because they are the buyer of last resort in our bond market and they've been buying 70% of all of our bonds. So, I mean, they just can't go away. Because otherwise, interest rates are going to skyrocket in our bond market. The economy is going to tank. And they'll be printing like mad at that point. So, I think this is kind of a little bit of a head fake here. That the Federal Reserve showing some kind of credibility here. Tapering a little bit. Not even talking about raising the Fed funds rate off of zero. And coming out and saying that the reason they're doing this is because of improvements, improvement in the labor force, which we know is a big lot. Let's go back to the Federal Reserve, some of the facts that, that, that many people don't know about the Federal Reserve. We talked about how they lent out secretly $16 trillion during the financial crisis that nobody knew about. That's the power of the central bank. That U.S. government has no control over. That according to the Constitution, the Federal Reserve is unconstitutional. It's right there. Black and white. Only Congress has the right to mint coin. Uh, But that's been usurped 100 years ago this month when banks got together. A place called Jekyll Island in Georgia. And formed the Federal Reserve. Of which all these big international banks owned a piece of it. And now the world banking cartel had total control over the finances of the United States. And what they do is they've just created the the ability for the government to go deeper and deeper into debt and to pay them interest. Think about this. You create dollars, you buy a treasury bond, you fund the deficit of the country, and you get interest paid to you on the dollars you just created out of thin air. Wouldn't any of us like to do that? Doesn't that look like stealing? Counterfeiting? It's exactly what it is. It's counterfeiting. But they do it legally. Unconstitutionally, but legally. And over the last... uh, Five years, they've created over $3.5 trillion worth of new dollars out of thin air, injected it into the financial system. And that has allowed the stock market to soar to unprecedented heights. But it's also made our financial system extremely unstable. And has set us up for uh, increasing risk of implosion, hyperinflation, dollar collapse. And we were, we were told that the purpose of quantitative easing is to stimulate the economy. But today, the Federal Reserve is actually paying the big banks interest not to lend out the $2 trillion in excess reserves that they've parked with the Fed. The Feds take this money, buy bonds off of the big banks. The banks take that money and put it with the Fed. Earn a quarter of 1% interest, and it benefits nobody but the banks. doesn't benefit the economy doesn't benefit Main Street, doesn't benefit employment. 
but it benefits the banks. And that's what it's all about. Whoever coined the term bankster, I mean, it, that's exactly what it is. It's legalized theft. The bonuses this year on Wall Street are just outrageous. Stolen money divvied up between all the criminals. Well, the average guy on Main Street is struggling to get by. And we'll talk about the two Americas that we're living in now. And the quantitative easing uh, overwhelmingly benefits those who own stocks and other financial investments. In other words, quantitative easing uh, overwhelmingly favors the very wealthy. They're the ones who are benefiting by the stock market. And even Barack Obama admitted that 95% of the, the income gains since he has been president has gone to the top 1% of income earners. And the gap between the top 1% and the rest of us uh, is growing every day. And the Federal Reserve has argued vehemently in court that it is not an agency of, of the federal government and is not subject to the Freedom of Information Act. And it hasn't been audited in decades. So they're free to do whatever they want. Buy securities, sell securities, print money, collect interest on that printed money, influence the economy, blow up financial bubbles, which when they do pop, hurt the little guy, not the big guy. When it popped in 2008, who's hurting now? The banksters aren't. Wall Street's doing really well. They've come back nicely because the Federal Reserve has set up a program where they couldn't lose. Meanwhile, none of that money has gone into the economy and helped the average guy. And the Federal Reserve system favors the big banks. The little guys are getting no help from them. In 1970, the five largest U.S. banks held 17% of all U.S. banking assets. 17%. Today, the five largest banks hold 52%. And we have less banks now than we've had in decades. The big just keep getting bigger. And the smaller banks are disappearing. And again, as I open up the show, according to Article 1, Article, uh, I should say Article I, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution, the U.S. Congress is the one that's supposed to have the authority to, quote, coin money, regulate the value thereof, and a foreign coin, and fix the standard of weights and measures. So why is the Federal Reserve doing this? Because the average person has no idea that they've been robbed for 100 years by the Federal Reserve. And again, the Federal Reserve has said that the reason why they're uh, tapering is because the economy is improving, especially the labor market. These are all lies. Obama's been lying to us that the economy is improving. The mainstream media has been running with that lie. The Federal Reserve now comes out with the lie. And you know, if you repeat a lie enough, people will believe it. And that's what they've been talking. They've been talking up the U.S. economy. When the actual statistics do not warrant anybody coming out and saying the economy's improved a lot. And I said, you know, they come out and say the unemployment rate has fallen to 7%. And the mainstream media and the Obama administration is trumpeting it with euphoria and jubilation. And 
making such a big deal out of it. Even the USA Today came out and, and declared that with today's jobs report, one really can say that our long national post-financial crisis nightmare is over. Really? Tell that to the record number of people who are in poverty. Tell that to the record number of people who are on food stamps. Tell it to the millions of people who can't find a job and therefore are no longer counted as unemployed. Which helps to fudge the unemployment number. And if you assume that the, the labor force participation rate in the United States is at a long-term average, at the long-term average of, of, of the participation rate, the unemployment rate in the country would be 11.5%. But when you stop counting all these people, magically, the unemployment rate drops. Voila! Unemployment's going down. The percentage of Americans that are actually working has stayed between 58 and 59% for 51 months in a row. Almost six years. And most Americans don't, don't understand these things. They don't follow participation rates and unemployment rates. So they believe whatever the mainstream media tells you. This is propaganda at its highest form. I mean, it's just nuts. And think about it. I mean, uh, the federal government has been on a greatest debt binge that, that, that any country in history has gone on. The Fed's been printing money like crazy. So all the stimulus from the federal government borrowing all this money, doubling our debt in five years, the Fed printing trillions of dollars, and what do we have in the economy? A small uptick maybe? And everybody's out there saying how the economy is improving. you got to be kidding me. With all those trillions of dollars thrown at the economy, and this is what we have? And again, if it's reported enough, people believe it. And that's the problem. Nobody looks deep into these things. And again, the only reason the official unemployment rate has been declining over the past couple of years is that the federal government has been pretending that millions upon millions of unemployed Americans no longer want a job and have left the labor force, which is not true. It's not that they don't want a job. They've got discouraged. They can't find one. And they certainly can't find a full-time job that pays anything. The percentage of Americans that are actually working is much lower than it used to be. In November 2000, 64.3% of all working age Americans had a job. When Barack Obama first entered the White House, 60.6% of all working age Americans had a job. Today, only 58.6% of all working age Americans have a job. There's been absolutely no employment recovery since the recession. They've just moved the pieces around to make it look better. There are one million. There are one million one hundred forty-eight thousand fewer Americans working today than there was in November two thousand six. Meanwhile, the population has grown by sixteen million people during that time frame. Sixteen million more people. One point one fewer million fewer workers. That doesn't sound right. The inactivity rate for men in their prime working years, 25 to 54, has just hit a brand new all-time record high. Is that an economic recovery? Does that sound like it? By the way, I'm getting these statistics from uh, uh, the Economic Collapse blog. Uh, this guy, uh, Schneider, he, he's great. He, he puts together all these, these statistics, in the, and they're horrible. The number of working-age Americans without a job has increased by a total of 27 million since 2000. 
and middle wage, job, middle wage jobs accounted for 60% of the jobs lost during the last recession, but they've accounted for only 22% of jobs created since then. So we lost all the good jobs, and now we see um, whatever jobs are being created are part-time, they're low-paying, they have no benefits. Uh, but the Federal Reserve says that's the reason to taper because employment is improving in America. The big lie, the lies are told to us over and over again. The sheep will believe it because they're told it by the mainstream media. But meanwhile, Americans know in their heart that it's not getting better, at least for the most of them. All right, time for another break. 866-472-5790 is the phone number if you want to be part of the program. My name's Lou Skatigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What are the reasons that over three-quarters of small businesses fail within three years? Why do 70% of U.S. women-owned businesses make less than $50,000 a year? What causes mid-sized companies to stagnate? Although today many fundamentals of business remain the same, there are critical current changes that are not being acknowledged, and the result is costly. Tune in to Moving Forward with host Jen Sabin. We'll discuss the core reasons and plans of action to keep your business moving forward. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. On The Financial Physician, we don't just cover the good time financial news. We cover the good, the bad, and the ugly. Have a question for America's money doctor, Luce Katigna? Call him now. It's toll-free. 1-866-472-5790. Or email the show. Here's the address. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou. All right. Welcome back to The Financial Physician. I'm Lou Skatigna. We get together every Wednesday. 4 p.m. on the East Coast and 1, uh, 1 p.m. on the West Coast and always available archived right here at voiceamerica.com. Just go to the business channel, go to Wednesday or just search my name and you'll have every radio show uh, we ever recorded here uh, over the last year on voiceamerica.com. And also remember my website, thefinancialphysician.com. Visit my blog each and every day. We update it as much as we can. We also archive this radio show there as well, and we've got a lot of good stuff there. My email address is lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Love your emails. Anything you want me to cover on the program. I know a lot of people, I'd say 95% of people who listen to this program do not listen to it live. And maybe you have a question that you'd like me to answer for you. Any question on any money matter is welcome. And if you email me at lou at thefinancialphysician.com, without mentioning your name, I will uh, discuss uh, uh your question, uh, 
and give you uh, my opinion on where to go. So today we're talking about the Federal Reserve. We're talking about the state of the economy. Today the Federal Reserve announced that they are going to taper the big word for uh, 2013 uh, in the financial world is quote-unquote taper, which means that ratcheting down a little bit the money printing and the quantitative easing and bond buying that the Fed's been doing for a couple of years now, also known as QE, quantitative easing. And they announced they're going to drop from $85 billion a month to $75 billion a month. I thought the markets would react negatively to it. I was absolutely wrong. Just the opposite happened. Counterintuitively, stock market's up 300 points today. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, really. I mean, what would have happened if they said they were going to continue stimulus? I don't get it. The markets make no sense to me. I've totally lost uh, the ability to predict markets. Really. And advise people for that matter. I mean, it's just, just, I don't understand it anymore. 30 years following financial markets, everything's manipulated. Nothing makes sense. Everything's a lie. It's all being held together with uh, falsehoods. Created money in the trillions of dollars. A government and a mainstream media that lie to us about the economy. Boy, we haven't even talked about the effect of Obamacare on the economy next year. So this taper by the Fed is going to be reversed. That's my prediction next year. When the real economy starts showing its face next year. Next year, 2014 is going to be a challenging year in many ways. Economically, politically, got a midterm election next year. The implementation of Obamacare goes into full force uh, next year. Uh, I think we're going to see incredible volatility in markets. The United States is losing its prestige around the world. The dollar is starting to lose its reserve currency status. And I think uh, as things unravel in 2014 and uh, as we get into the new year, I'll give my forecast for 2014. And uh, it's not good. I mean, I thought uh, the fall of 2013, we'd have a significant downturn, a crash, if you will. And the Fed just won't let it happen. Just won't let it happen. Just keep printing money and flushing it into the stock market. And today was a ramp job, absolute ramp job into the market and the bond market. You would think bond prices would go down and yields would pretty much go up a lot based on the Fed saying they're not going to buy as many bonds. Didn't happen. As a matter of fact, bonds initially went up and yields went down after the Fed announced the tapering. Black is white and white is black. It's so hard to figure it out, which just tells me that everything's manipulated. And it'll be interesting to see if they can continue manipulating markets to the extent that they have. And this is so dangerous because, you know, by keeping interest rates at zero and they gave no indication they're ever going to change interest rates from zero. Which penalizes the saver, especially the senior citizen. And clients come in to me all the time. It's new clients. Lou, I got money in a bank. Attorney, it's not doing anything. I go, it's worse than not doing anything. It's losing, losing purchasing power every single day. New client today said, I got money in a CD, a one-year CD. Uh, should I take it out and invest it with you? I go, well, what difference does it make? The penalty is nothing. 
you know, when you cash in a CD prematurely, it's usually an interest penalty. Three months interest, six month interest. If you're getting a, a quarter of 1% interest, who cares if you pay 3%, a three months interest penalty to get your money out of there? Why anybody would keep any money in a bank, given the fragility of the banking system, given the fact that they're not paying you anything, given the fact that there's alternative safe investments that you, you could do better, given the fact that if the, the system fails again, we've learned from Cyprus and from some documents that, that, that are public now that the, the next way to handle a banking crisis is the bail-in. In other words, taking the money of depositors. Why would anybody keep money in the bank? I don't know. Some more statistics that illustrate how really bad this economy is compared to what you're being told. In this economic environment, there is intense competition, even for the lowest paying jobs. Walmart recently opened up two new stores in Washington, D.C., and more than 23,000 people applied for just 600 positions. That means that only about 2.6% of applicants were ultimately hired. This is Walmart we're talking about. These are minimum wage jobs. 2.6% of applicants will be hired. Let's compare that to Harvard. 6.1% of people who apply to Harvard get picked. It's easier to get into Harvard to get a job at Walmart in Washington. What does that tell you? According to the Social Security Administration, they would know. They take taxes out of people's pay. 40%, almost half of all U.S. workers make less than 20000 a year. It's ridiculous. When Barack Obama took office, the average duration of unemployment in this country was 19.8 weeks. Today, it's 37.2 weeks, and for many people, more than that. I can go on and on with statistics here. I mean, how bad things are. Thanks to Obama, the Obama administration, policies... Um, their policies, which are systemically killing off small businesses in the United States, the percentage of self-employed Americans is in an all-time low today. Well, geez, who wants to go set up a business right now with all the regulations, Obamacare? Everything coming out of Washington is anti-business. And God forbid you're successful and they want to tax you to death. Last week we talked about all the rates that are changing and all the new taxes that are coming in in 2013, 2014. The rate of home ownership in the United States has fallen for eight years in a row. We're now becoming a country of renters. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, median household income in the United States has fallen for five years in a row. These are the signs of a good economy. In 2008, the total amount of student loan debt in this country was sitting about uh, $440 billion. Today, it's a trillion. Trillion dollars. Just in a few years. Back in the year 2000, our trade deficit with China was $83 billion. In 2008, our trade deficit with China was $268 billion. Last year, it was $315 billion billion dollars. And why is there a trade deficit? Because all our jobs have been shipped overseas. All our stuff is made in China. Our iPhones. Everything in Walmart. 
the jobs are in China now. We don't have them here. So we buy those goods that they make there. That's part of a trade deficit. The gap between the rich and the poor in the United States is at an all-time record high. Oh, the stock market's up. New record high today. That's great for those rich people, right? The average American doesn't have a dime in the stock market. This doesn't affect them at all. Right now, 1.2 million students that attend public schools in the United States are homeless. That's a brand new all-time record high. And that number has risen by 72% since the start of the last recession. When Barack Obama first entered the White House, there were about 32 million Americans on food stamps. Today, there are more than 47 million Americans on food stamps. Now we talk about the entitlements. The destruction of our country is the entitlement society that we live in. In 2000, the U.S. government spent $199 billion on Medicaid. In 2008, the U.S. government spent $338 billion on Medicaid. In 2012, the U.S. government spent $417 billion on Medicaid. And now Obamacare is going to add tens of millions of Americans to Medicaid rolls. More people have signed up for Medicaid over the last few months than Obamacare. Let's talk about Medicare. In 2000, the U.S. government spent $219 billion on Medicare. In 2008, we spent $462 billion on Medicare. In 2012, we spent $560 billion in Medicare. So in 12 years, we doubled, more than doubled. Two and a half times the cost. And that number is expected to absolutely skyrocket in the year ahead as uh, the baby boomers retire. According to the most recent numbers from the U.S. Census Bureau, an all-time hiring, 49.2% of all Americans are receiving benefits from at least one government program. So half the country is receiving some kind of a benefit. And uh, we have spent an astounding, and I mentioned this on this program before, $3.7 trillion on welfare programs over the last five years. $3.7 trillion. And our national debt, it's on pace to more than double during the eight years of the Obama administration. In other words, under Barack Obama, the U.S. government will accumulate more debt than it did under all other presidents in United States history. This is mind-boggling. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Well, all these lies really aren't working too well with the average American people. According to a recent CNN survey, the percentage of Americans that believe that the economy is getting worse far exceeds the percentage of Americans that believe it's improving. And that's the real truth. And uh, it's going to get worse in 2014, folks. I mean, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, and I hate to be the one that's telling the truth when everybody else is lying to you. These statistics don't lie. This is what's really happening out there. All right, time for another break. We have one more segment left in the program. 866-472-5790 is the call number. My name is Louis Katigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. We're always talking business. 
talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. The Financial Physician, your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Call America's Money Doctor right now. It's toll-free. 1-866-472-5790. You can also log on to our website at www.thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou Scatigna. All right, a programming note. The next two weeks uh, on Wednesday when we do our show, next Wednesday is Christmas. And the following Wednesday is New Year's Day. So we're not going to have live programs uh, on those two days. We're just going to run uh, uh, repeats of uh, previous shows. And I'll be back live with you uh, on January 8th. So we have a, a couple of weeks off. And it just so happens that you know Wednesday is the holidays this year. And uh, we could use a break and we're going to take it. And uh, we'll see you back live on uh, January uh, the 8th. All right, let's talk about Obamacare. Boy, we've never gone uh, this long in the last three months uh, without really getting into what's new with Obamacare. What happened this week? What, hor- what horrible thing uh, came out there in Obamacare? And first off, uh, the Obamacare has been twisting uh, the arms of the insurance industry uh, to try to mask some of the problems and try to alleviate some of them. And one of the things they've been trying to do recently is they've been trying to get the insurance companies to delay getting payment either from the government or from uh, uh, policyholders uh, and provide insurance services without being paid uh, until the new year. 
Now, the way it's set up now, they're supposed to be paid by December 31st, and insurance starts on January 1st. Well, that's the way most of us pay our bills, right? Uh, but the insurance industry announced uh, today uh, that they are delaying payment till January 10th. So if you sign up for an Obamacare insurance policy uh, by December 31st, uh, you will not have to pay until January 10th. Now, how much difference that's going to make to most people, I don't know. It's only 10 days. Uh, but uh, again, uh, bowing to political pressure from the administration, uh, free enterprise now has been, uh, 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 what you would say, um, extorted maybe is, is a good word, pressured uh, into delaying payment uh, for product. Now, you think that the canceled health uh, policies uh, that everybody is seeing is, is going to hurt the cause of Obamacare? Well, there's another political time bomb that's lurking, and, and, and that is um, – Rate hikes for small businesses, group plans. Now, people with group plans didn't know that this was going to happen to them, myself included. I mean, we thought this Obamacare thing was just for people who don't have insurance, that they're going to be mandated to get insurance. And and employers that have uh, 50 employees or more were going to be mandated to provide insurance. That's all we knew. When Obamacare was sold to us, that's the only thing we knew. We didn't know that our premiums were going to skyrocket, even if we had existing insurance. We didn't know that. It wasn't sold to us that way, that's for sure. Just like it wasn't sold to us that you, you can keep your doctor. That's what was sold to us, if you like. You can keep your policy. Lie. That was sold to us also. And your premiums go down. Go down. Lie. All three of those things were lie. If, if people were told, you're going to lose your policy and you're going to have to get another one, that um, your doctor's uh, maybe not in your network anymore, and that, oh, by the way, it may go up 50 to 100% your premium. Do you think it would have passed? Of course not. But they knew all this. This is not nothing that this is not a surprise to the administration. They knew it. But of course they couldn't sell that. And now uh, next year we're going to start seeing premiums go up for most group health plans. And most uh, Americans are unaware of it are unaware of it. And you know, many small businesses are gonna tell their employees, look, I can't afford health insurance anymore. I'm gonna send you to the Obamacare exchange. And again, that's what it's all about anyway, isn't it? To have private health care done with and to have the government provide socialized medicine. That's what this is all going to. These are all steps to getting there. This is all part of blowing up the existing system. To have everybody have their hands up to the almighty Obama to bring us to government health care. That's what this is all about. But I tell you, politically, uh, this is going to be pretty tough, especially in election year. And people are starting to realize there's winners and losers in this new law. If I have um, a group plan that has mostly older Americans, I may see my premiums go down. If I have a group of mainly younger Americans, I'm going to have my premiums go up. That's the way it's going to be. Because again, the healthy people have to pay for the older people. And the premiums can't be based on experience and it can't be based on health and it can't be based on anything else. So while some people may uh, may see... Um, uh, a bit of a decrease, many, many companies are going to see a significant increase. I mean, a huge increase. I know um, 
I know a, a client of mine just told me Blue Course Blue Shield just notified him. He's going up 85%. 85% from a very high level to begin with. And as I said, politically, I mean, next year is a major election year. And as small businesses are getting this rate shock next year and then telling their employees, hey, you're on your own. I can't cover you. You're going to have a lot of uh, disgruntled people out there. And uh, I I just can't see how you could be a Democrat who voted for Obamacare, uh, how you could run for re-election and be able to uh, defend that. Well, everybody's seeing their premium skyrocket, while people are losing their insurance, while they're losing their doctor. And think of the mayhem next year, early next year. when You go to your doctor, you go to the hospital, and there's no record of you having health insurance because the website screwed up. The communication between the website and the insurers are out. People are, the, webs, uh, the insurers aren't getting paid. What kind of mess is that going to be? And I think, you know, you know, Nancy Pelosi said you got to vote for the bill to find out what's in it. No, that wasn't really quite quite right. You had to wait to 2013 and 2014 to find out what's in it and how it's going to affect you. And people are getting sticker shock. Now, thankfully, a lot of small businesses were smart enough or they had insurance agents that were smart enough to get them to change their renewal date to December 1st. And that's what I did. I changed my renewal date from next March to December 1st of 2013, got an 11% increase in my premiums, and I'm good till December 1st of next year while all the mayhem's going on with all the other small group plans. So I'm okay. And many American small businesses are smart enough or, or learned about that and were able to do that. But next year, all hell will break loose. And how could it be good for an economy when small businesses that create most of the new jobs are being hit with 50, 80, 100% increases in their health insurance premiums? Would I want to hire anybody? No. Would I want to let go of some people that I really can do without if I, if I had to? Yes. And that's exactly what's going to happen. We've got small businesses that have 50 employees, 70 employees that are going to cut back to 49. So they don't have to be, they're not mandated to provide care. I mean, this is what people go to business school for, to figure out how to make their business profitable and survive. And you do what you got to do to survive. And when you're mandated these incredibly increased burdensome costs for healthcare, I mean, right now I'm paying almost $2,000 a month. You're going to increase it 80% to what? 4000 So what happens next year? It becomes 8000 a family? I mean, it's not going to work. And you know what? It's designed not to work. It's designed to blow up so we all wind up in the government cradle. And that's what it's all about. And 2014 is going to be a year that we wake up and we see what has been done to our healthcare system. We're out of time. It goes so fast here on The Financial Physician. I call it the fastest hour in financial talk radio. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember the website, thefinancialphysician.com. Love your emails, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. 
Facebook.com. Have a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year. Join me live two weeks from today on January 8th for the next edition of The Financial Physician. Have a great holiday. Goodbye. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 